Ladies and gentlemen, supply chain community out there, it's our podcast number five and uh, it's a huge pleasure today uh, to welcoming uh, Laura Cesari on our, on our today's podcast. Um, most of you know Laura, she's probably the most known and the most popular thought leader in supply chain. Um, she's known for critical thinking, for, for, for critical statements, um, uh, typically non, not mainstream. Um, typically um, some kind of outside the box. Um, she um, is, a, is a, 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 a great fan of, of, of talking about silos and the necessity to break silos. Um, um, one of her statements in the recent post was about process centricity and the importance of, of process-related thinking. Um, I think this is pretty much in line uh, with our, our thought leadership, um, but I think we will find this out in today's discussion. This being said, handing over to my colleague Andy um, in Chicago to make a quick intro and then to kick the discussion off. Andy. Thank you, Klaus. It's a, it's a really huge pleasure to have Laura on, on the podcast today. Um, she is the founder of the Supply Chain Insights, uh, publisher of Supply Chains to Admire, longitudinal study of of different supply chains and, and basically benchmarking um, across several years across different industries. Uh, she's also the supply chain shaman, uh, a, a great blog that is uh, recommended reading or uh, foundational reading for everybody involved in supply chain management. And um, without further ado, I would like to jump into the, 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 the first question, if that's okay, um, because I found um, one of the very interesting insights we had out of the, the last year of, of the pandemic uh, was your, your study on how, supply, how companies were coping with the supply chain on this disruption. And um, one of the most interesting insights that, that I found was that the, the, the core, the, the one thing that really stuck out was that monolithic, vertically or fully integrated uh, supply chain solutions were actually not performing particularly well, to put it um, diplomatically. And um, that would be the, the first question. So could you, from a, from a process perspective, possibly um, explain a bit and elaborate a bit why that was the case and, and what could be done? So thank you for having me on the show today. And I think it makes sense for us to reflect on the last decade. What we've done is we've invested 1.7% of revenue into IT and sort of like building, you know, in medieval castles, these big walls where we're basically very focused in the walls, but not necessarily focused on building the towns and the communities and the infrastructure. And I think that supply chain management is a lot like city planning where you want to build value networks and you want to be sure that you're good trading partners. And so this whole concept of I'm going to have an end-to-end -end supply chain, which is looking at order to cash and procure to pay and self-serving within the walls really broke down as we had increases in supply variability that we've never seen before on the ports or supply variability that we've never seen before on things that are fairly innocuous like plastic or demand volatility because we needed to act locally but plan globally. And the interesting thing for me was that we've talked about what-if analysis and a third of companies have what-if capabilities, but because 
they were so hardwired into traditional IT infrastructure, people couldn't put new data sets, they couldn't uh, do what if analysis, they didn't have digital sandboxes to really understand the simulation. And so I think it's a good time to sit back and reflect that we can't just be self-serving and operate within big walls. And even though we've gone through a lot of M&A and companies are fundamentally bigger, that we need to be focused on city planning. Let me let me let me take a take a step back. The when you talk about the um, the city planning, that would be the picture of the entire supply chain. So the, the end right. to end, if you want, um, basically from order taking to order fulfillment. Um, but but the, from the customer's customer, the supplier's supplier, right? So right. one of the things that happened is the number of people said, "Well, I've." you know, mitigated my risk, I've reduced the number of suppliers, but oh, by the way, all of those suppliers were really focused on a second tier supplier, which oh, by the way, was located in Wuhan. So many times people don't know their second and third tier suppliers, right? And they don't know their lead times. And we've set up systems with assumptions on lead times based upon when we implemented. And as the markets changed, we were just not adequate in our ability to plan. So, so if I understand that, that correctly, that means that basically the the technology is serving essentially an individual function within the organization. Well, you know, the focus of the organization became very focused on transactions and financial transactions within the company. And most of the focus became very functional siloed metrics. And that also was a barrier uh, to what needed to happen in the pandemic. So, you know, I've written a book called Metrics That Matter, and I really believe from my uh, supply chains to admire research is you want to have a balanced scorecard within the company that, because supply chain is a complex nonlinear system, and the trade-offs are, you know, nonlinear between growth margin, inventory turns, and return on invested capital. And most of the time people are looking at simple triangles and um, thinking that trade-offs are easy, but they're not. And only 29% of people can see cost easily. And I haven't found anybody that can really look at margin. And so the ability to understand these trade-offs is difficult in today's organization. But Laura, you said um, companies have invested a huge amount of money into into systems and into their um, 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 supply chains from an, from an IT perspective. Um, yet we are not there. Um, what went wrong, or what need to to be done differently um, in order to um, to get better? So we invested most of the money on transactional systems, orders purchase orders, but not on decision flows. And even if I invested in planning, you know, I typically will have a planner that has an average tenure of two to three years that's running a system that's not very flexible. And I haven't thought about how do I redefine how I make decisions? How do I use outside in data? And I think a large part of this is changing our current paradigms to unlearn to think differently because most supply chain leaders' minds are very focused on transactional efficiency, not necessarily on 
how do I use data differently based upon the art of the possible and how do I improve decision making collaboration and workflow across the organization. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that happened in the last decade, which I think is really detrimental, is as the technologies rolled out, supply chain became another function within many functions within, you know, this enterprise with the big walls. And, you know, the original concepts of supply chain were from the customer's customer, the supplier's supplier. And so the ability for the supply chain leader to act became problematic, so much so that sometimes people would rename the supply chain function just so they could have the ability to influence sales or to influence channel because, you know, supply chain is about customers, customers, supplier, supplier. Mm-hmm. So if I if I take this um, uh, to, a, to a slightly different level, so basically the the, the importance of, of acting and, and making decisions within the supply chain, that is really where these transactional systems break down because they cannot basically represent the different trade-offs that would be necessary to make. Um, so that that is it is it correct to say basically the 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 technology in place does not necessarily support those decision decision making processes as they are designed? Well you need clean transactional systems, but that's not sufficient. And uh, transactional data is about a third of the data that you need for decision support. Mm -hmm. So uh, and increasingly with higher variability, you need to be able to sense and respond to outside in signals, Mm -hmm. weather, events, changing lead times, changing conversion rates. And if you can't sense and respond to market drivers, then you're not able to really serve customers. So, um, would you would you agree to the statement that that the decade that we are in will be the decade of 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 data of process um, and decision support? No, I think it'll be a re-enlightenment. I think it's like um, a renaissance. I think we will build better. I think that you know. We shouldn't let a crisis go to waste, that it's a good opportunity to rally the flag and say, but there are technologies that help us, you know, we can think about this differently. We've got to redefine processes to be outside in. And it's a very different paradigm than what we've been taught, either in, you know, conventional APEX, ASCM kind of language or education. And so we've got to rethink the paradigm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The if I, if I if I if I look at it from from that perspective, it, it, that 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 kind of re-enlightenment, it, it sounds like there is a, a need to to distinguish between the workflow and and the technology underneath. So so basically, right. lifting lifting the the workflow, which is basically serving the customer, uh, and 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 use the technology in order to to enable that. Right, so we need to define decision flows that are based upon strategy and policy, have enlightened rule sets, and the rules need to be multiple Fs to multiple thens, which require cognitive learning and ontologies to be able to tie to market data, which is helping us to embrace variability to redefine how we make decisions. And it 
goes across all forms of decision, whether it's CRM or SRM or supply chain planning or transportation planning. But those silos of planning do not connect and they're not outward facing to really look market to market. And they don't allow us to do bi-directional orchestration. So, you know, alternate supply, alternate bill of material, alternate manufacturing, you know, substitution of materials. You know, the supply chain operates in the world of gray, not in the world of black and white. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the ability to make better decisions really requires us to redefine how new technologies can help us with decision support. Mm-hmm. But but most of those of those silos do have their functional domain systems and companies have invested into their TMS, into their CRM, into their um, ERPs, into their planning systems and so on. And, and and since all these all these systems are typically very functionally focused, um, this is kind of, of of even emphasizing and 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 um, uh, um, uh, and underlining um, the the kind of this this silo shape and this silo behavior. So um, apparently, what it needs is a kind of layer on top, right? It's something that connects all these things because it's 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 uh, I think unrealistic that we can throw away all these systems that we implemented with, with a lot of money um, and simply um, um, uh, implement one one big new one. Um, this was probably the idea of ERP uh, many years ago, but we all know that this idea never turned true. Well, you know, maybe, you know, I, I used to have a phone that hooked to the wall and it sat on a special little desk in the hallway. And it really was kind of the center of family life, you know, the phone would ring. And now I have a mobile phone and I don't even have a hardwired phone into my house, right? And back in the 70s, I would never have conceived that I would do away with my, you know, hardwired phone on a little desk. Well, I think that we'll find that what we have built is obsolete and we're going to need to walk away from it. You know, the concept of SRM, CRM, APS, TMS are very inward focused. I don't necessarily believe that we can overlay these new decision support fabric and flows on top of the old fashioned systems because they're inside out. The, let me let me um, um, ask you f- from that angle. So, so it, it sounds like there's a lot of innovation required. At the right. same time, I remember you mentioned before in in one of your webinars that uh, there is not much supply chain innovation um, has not much effect anymore. Is that did I understand that correct? And, yeah, you know, it's hard for new ideas to make it to market. Uh, the venture capitalist will sometimes co-opt a good idea or it's hard to get funding. But I am seeing some pretty cool technology start to take shape as part of the pandemic because I think more and more people are raising their hands saying, you know, what I have today doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. And what what would it take in order to get that momentum within the supply chains, within the organizations going again to say, let's look at what doesn't work, why it doesn't work, really dig into the the root causes of, of the problem and then develop from that. Well, I think the pandemic is a good catalyst. Uh, I think people are waking up saying, 
wow, I invested a lot of money in technology and I had to turn a lot of it off and, uh, you know, didn't work so well. So that's number one. But number two, what I'm trying to do is to help people to see a better way, you know, in terms of NoSQL and, you know, sensing and how we can build outside in processes. Is I think if business leaders see that there's value and there's clear case studies around value of how to redefine the future, then they can rally towards it. And I think it could be a step change. And that's what I'm trying to do in my own way. Mm -hmm. But let me let me let me challenge that that thought once again because um, inside out or outside in a good piece of let's say integrated transactional work um, where we capture uh, a customer order and relate it to the financials and uh, keep track of our inventories um, not in in the in the in, in, in terms of planning but in, in simply in terms of of, of inventory booking. Um, um, issue a purchase order which also relates to financials, this piece of transactional work will somehow remain or, or do we see this disappearing? No, and no, that's, it's sort of like hygiene, like brushing your teeth, you know, it, it is needed. Exactly, exactly. Right. And, and, and I think this, this, uh, this piece of those systems that exist today of the transactional ones um, will somehow remain, right? Right, and there'll always be a focus on cleanliness of orders, purchase orders, perpetual inventory. It is basic, but not sufficient. No, no, of course, it's not, I wasn't saying that this is sufficient, yeah. not at all, yeah. um, but it, it kind of builds um, uh, one pillar um, of decision support because it simply reflects um, the transactional reality to some extent. Right. It's not sufficient, I agree, but it's, uh, I think, an, an essential pillar. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we, we're running we're running a bit out of time, and I wanted to um, quickly um, ask you one one more question. Um, the is is that is that thinking of of getting unstuck from the the current situation and then using the the the, the pandemic that that we had um, is that part of the project Zebra? Yeah. So Project Zebra challenges people to change their stripes, right? It's uh, how do we unlearn to not just think inside out, but to redefine the supply chain outside in. So look at things like authoritative identifiers, right, in terms of how we do trade. Uh, because, you know, if you're going to send money around the world, you've got a banking number and a routing number. But we have no authoritative identifiers for a company and we don't have good ways that we track master data for trade. And how do we really deal with variability? So Project Zebra is looking at how can we be outside in? How can we put good trading partners? How can we redefine decision flows and testing with business leaders so that people can see tangible case studies? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, I, th I think, a fantastic conclusion is we, we, we defined the problem very well. We, we see the opportunity uh, to, to start restart innovating um, very fundamentally. And there is a, an ideal uh, venue in uh, basically the Project Zebra to, to, to work on that and, and, and get it started. Right. And Project Zebra's genesis is that we didn't think the zebras could change their stripes, but we now know that when a zebra moves from climate to climate in Africa, they change their stripes. So can business leaders change their stripes, right? Can we change our paradigms? We, 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 Excellent. We, 
we would we would call that the the C level mandate and the change management. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's finest, right? <laughs> and it's finest. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Great presentation. Fantastic closing word. Words. Um, thank you so much, Laura, for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to to have you again when we have results from from all this innovation again. Oh yeah. I would love great. that. I'd love okay. that. Thank you. Thank have you. a good one. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye, bye Laura. Bye. Bye. bye.